podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a go and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, She's a natural. It's Davina. It's game week 37, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. What a spicy, spicy weekend we had in the Premier League this weekend. Scenes at the top of the table, scenes at the bottom of the table. We've got a club that's been officially relegated in Southampton. Um maybe a club whose title race has been relegated. Um, certainly if you to believe the person I have on this podcast. Uh, welcome back to, I think you were dubbed the natural uh, yes, around the yes, water coolers here, Davina. Welcome back to the show. And w- what did you make of the, the nickname that you got? Oh, I loved it. I think it was such a nice compliment. Um, always nice to, to be called a natural. But um, yeah, thank you so much for having me back and looking forward to this week's episode. Yeah, should be a good one. Um, yeah, the suits upstairs were happy, so you kind of got a, a bumper contract. I think you are on loan uh, or a trial. <laughs> Is it those four-week trials that they give to to players that they're not sure about signing? But I, I think I think it's safe to say you you held your own, you did well, and um, we look forward to having you on for the future, which is quite exciting. Um, and it seems obviously harmonious that this game week is going to start with Spurs because Spurs mm-hmm. versus Brentford is the first fixture that will be on Saturday, 20th of May. Um, I don't, I don't know where you want to take this because there's so mm-hmm. much to talk about directly with Spurs and then indirectly with Spurs. I mean, we were talking about Pochettino beforehand as well. I mean, how are you, uh, how are you feeling as a Spurs fan? How are you approaching this game? I know there's some Spurs fans who are barely watching games at the moment because they, they feel like there's not much to play for. Mm. So last home game of the season. So, um, me and my brother, we will be unfortunately heading to N17 North London to watch that game. But, um, we were actually discussing this yesterday. I don't know why we even bother watching Tottenham play at this point. I think the main reason why we are going is it could be Harry Kane's last game in a Spurs shirt at home. Uh, it's just, I have to be there for the last goals that he scores for us. So that's my motivation of going. Even if we look, we looked online on the ticket exchange where like season ticket holders can put their tickets for sale. There are so many seats going. The atmosphere in the Spurs ground, even in the last home game against Palace, it was so toxic. It, everyone was just like, it was like a ho- the whole of the South Stand where I sit, it was just full of like depression. 
no one was happy. Everyone's here, like, we've got our tickets, we might as well be here. And reflecting on the game from the weekend against Villa, I mean, 11 offsides in one game. The first half, we created, like, zero expected goals. And then we got, like, the notification of when we when Harry Kane scored the penalty, and it was like, Harry Kane goal, assists, none. <laughs> and that sums up our whole season, because Harry Kane is going to hit 30 goals in a season and we've been poor like we're an extremely mid-table club and he has like single-handedly kept us in the top half I think like he is just unreal and he's the only reason why Spurs fans are watching our games at this point I really do think so and it's also got to a stage where do we even want European football if it means that we'll be playing in the conference league I, I, I'm all for having the Europa League. I think the Europa League is a respectable competition. I I don't think the Conference League will be great for us at all. I mean, that's where it looks like we're heading, unless Villa, like, pip us to seventh. But, yeah, I, I'd rather we prioritise, looking even forward to next season, I'd rather we prioritise, like, the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup. I think if we finish seventh, it will just add to our plate of, like, more games for us to lose. I just, I, I would not be happy with the Conference League. So I'd rather we finish like eighth at this point. No Europe. Concentrate on the FA Cup. Concentrate on the Carabao Cup. You know, start that rebuild. Get a manager in. Get a director of football in. You know, it's just, it, the season can't end quick enough for me as a Spurs fan. Yeah, and there's certainly a lot of fan bases who are hoping the season could just end now. Mm-hmm. Um, get a fresh start, try and get excited going into next season. But you mentioned, um, you know, the whole debate on Europe and, and not Europe. I think if there was a guarantee that whichever manager is coming in is going to treat the Europa Conference or Europa League, maybe not the Europa League, but certainly Europa Conference as, as a way to give minutes for some of the youth players or, you know, get them going or something like that, that could be beneficial and crucial for them. But if it's just going to be something that's going to take away minutes from your starting players, your your, your more important players, I then worry about the race for top four, um, which is obviously something you guys want. And then also the, the trophy. Try and go deep into trophy runs. Try and get a trophy. Carabao Cup, um or FA Cup, just just something that the the fans can hold on to next mm-hmm. season. But we'll we'll see how that goes. I think with regards to Brentford, um, obviously they 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 had that um, win against West Ham. I don't know if West Ham players cared about that game. If I'm being brutally honest, they've they've got bigger fish to fry with Europe yeah. at the moment. But um, a, a club who again is in that band of we're not going to finish in Europe but we're not going to get relegated. Um, maybe they want to finish the season off on a high. I, I really don't know with Brentford. They've had such inconsistent performances of late. I think this is a game that Spurs could go and win if if they show more heart than Brentford because of the uncertainty with the Brentford players at the moment in terms of their motivation for this game. But... Uh, as you mentioned, it, like it's Spurs, and and I don't mean it in like a it's demeaning way. I just mean in terms of in recent history, the way Spurs have been playing um, has not been inspiring confidence. And if 
a guy like Ivan Tony is back playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got that thigh injury, but if I, 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 I'm scared of the Spurs back line having to deal with uh, Ivan Tony. Yeah, and I think Brentford could be up for. I mean, they're ninth, and I don't know what motivation they'll have at this point in the season to produce like a blockbuster performance, but they could secure like bragging rights as the best club or like the, the highest place club in West London. They could secure that, you know, over Chelsea. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's depending on on whether Tony plays or not could make a difference. But uh, in terms of a score prediction, I don't have faith in Tottenham to get the three points. So I'm going for 2-2. Two, 2-2 two. Two, two draw. Yeah, which, which is fair enough. And obviously, I'm assuming you're hoping Kane gets those two goals just to continue his mm-hmm. quest to to achieve, I guess, at least if he's getting the individual awards. If, if the team doesn't want to help him get the team awards, at least let, yeah. him, let him continue to climb that goal-scoring chart uh, in the Premier League. And uh, as you said, last home game for him potentially – um, it, it would be nice to see him to see him get a goal. I'll be interested to see how he celebrates. Um, if he just does the normal celebration, or if it's something special, or after the game, does he take longer for the with the lap of honor? I guess those type of things are things um, people look at to try and get a hint of whether or not that player is going to be there next season. Um, yeah, in terms of score predictions for me, I think two one to Spurs. I think they're going to really try. And, and send the fans home happy. I wouldn't be surprised if Levy's on their case this week to say, look, season ticket renewals are, are, are coming up soon. Uh, we're at home. Let's send them off with a win, you know, and, and, and not have a toxic environment as, as the last home game. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the two one there. I think Spurs put off a performance. And again, one of those things where is it too little, too late? That I, I don't know. We, we, we will see. Um, let's move on to Bournemouth versus Man United, our next game. Obviously, Bournemouth, they're now safe. I think 39 points uh, mm-hmm. is pretty much safe uh, at this point. Obviously, you want that holy grail 40 points, but I, I don't think you need 40 points this season to be safe. Uh, they come up against a Man United side who routine 2-0 win against Wolves. I don't know what to make of this Man United side. Like, one minute I watch them and I'm like, they seem devoid of any confidence. Um, they seem sort of lost as a team in terms of what they're doing. And then they turn up a performance against Wolves where Wolves don't even trouble them at all, get their two goals, uh, continue their quest for top four. I think two more wins for Man United in their remaining uh, three fixtures and, and that guarantees them top four. Is this one of the games that Man United will be targeting to say, of you know, we need two wins. Bournemouth definitely needs to be one of them, and then we'll see where we get the other one. And then equally for Bournemouth, um, it's the last home game of the season. I'm hoping that the players play with sort of that freedom of we're safe. It's the last game of the season. It's a celebration. Let's just put a showcase out there for the fans that have been with us through this uh, journey this season where they, they they went up in the league, then they started sinking and then found some form again to, to end the season off. Uh, can Bournemouth cause an upset here? I think, first, just thinking about United, I completely agree. Like, most recently, in the last, like, four or five games, they've been quite inconsistent. Like, they lost against Brighton, they lost against West Ham, and they didn't score in both of those games. And like you said, then... 
easily dispatching Wolves 2-0. They, I, I think they're looking at this game against Bournemouth to to secure like one of their two wins. And then looking at Bournemouth should be aiming to finish the season quite strong. Only recently, like you said, they were relegation favourites. And then they pulled off some really good wins like against Liverpool, against us, last minute winner. Less, then, and then they also collected points against like Leicester, Southampton, Leeds. So yeah, just finish the season strong and then look to build on that kind of momentum next season. Yeah, that, I think that would be good. I, maybe it's the Liverpool fan in me, but I've gone 2-1 Bournemouth. Um, I think they send the fans home happy. And I need it. I mean, Liverpool have to win all their games and hope that Man United or Newcastle slip up along the way. Um, so I think that's more voting with my heart than necessarily my head in, in terms of a prediction. But yeah, I'm, I'll stick with it. I've gone 2-1 to Bournemouth and hopefully I've spoken that into existence. I've got United to drop points, but 2-2. Two, two. Okay, I'll take that. I, I will yeah. take that. That that would be an interesting game. And I guess two two back-to-back 2-2s two, two for you. That mm-hmm. That's a great way to start the weekend for neutral, certainly. Not necessarily for the fans of those respective teams. Let's see if you've got a hat-trick of 2-2s. Two <laughs> it's Fulham versus Crystal Palace. I mentioned Bournemouth and being able to, you know, celebrate the season with their fans. I think... Fulham and Crystal Palace are two teams that maybe Crystal Palace not so much, but certainly Fulham coming back into the Premier League. We know they've been the yo-yo club of going up, coming, you know, they, they sort of passed the baton on to Nottingham, um, to Norwich, sorry, on the way down. And then Norwich, you know, a year later passes it back to Fulham on the Mm -hmm. way down and they just keep switching places, collecting, um, championship titles, uh, and relegations to boot back to back seasons. But, they're safe in the Premier League. They're fine where they are. Crystal Palace safe in the Premier League, fine where they are. 10th and 12th, respectively, in the mm. Premier League. Uh, Mitrovic is back, though, for Fulham, which will be really good for them. He came on. He scored. I thought it was interesting that um, their players were saying that when he came on, he, he was telling everyone, guys, I, I, I need a goal. I need a goal. And then he scored his goal. And then he was telling them, I want another one. I want it. Like, just the appetite to get back right on it and start scoring goals again was there for him, which is great for Fulham, not just for the end of the season, but I guess going into next season as well. And then Crystal Palace, I mean, Roy Hodgson for manager of the year, who says no at this point in time. Um, I, I was one of the biggest critics of Hodgson coming in, but I mean, they're playing really good football and he's helped my my case for, you know, me predicting that Olesi was going to uh, really break out the season. Roy Hodgson seems to have unlocked him. Um, Eze as well is playing really mm-hmm. exciting football. And I think with Zaha obviously starting to get up there in age, it's fantastic for them to have two players that could probably mm-hmm. share the load in terms of, usually it was Zaha or Bust. Um, for Crystal Palace. But if they've got two players in, in Eze and Olisi picking up that baton and then Zaha just being that complimentary player that doesn't need to pull something crazy off every single time, I think that could make, that could probably even extend his career where he can just pick and, you know, pick his spots on where he can sprinkle some of that magic dust. But in terms of score predictions, I haven't gone 2-2. Um, I've gone 1-1. I, I think Mitrovic is, is, is a sure in for a goal in that one. And then you can't really say no to Eze scoring a goal at this point in time. 
much to the chagrin of my fantasy team at the moment, I, I should have brought him in ages ago. But <laughs> should I just dot down two two for you? Here? No, I have not gone. I've not gone for two two. I think this game. You mentioned both of the managers. I think Marco Silva's done a brilliant job at Fulham, and yeah, not being a yo-yo club, cementing themselves like a, a top half finish would be really nice, and just to become like Premier League regulars again, not consistently, like you said, going down, coming up, going down, coming up. So Fulham building on momentum, ending the season strong. And Palace, I remember in our last chat on this pod, um, we were talking about like the big call to sack Vieira and everyone was sort of like, what's going on? How have you pointed like Hodgson? But that has worked wonders. I mean, they're what, I think 12 points clear of the relegation zone. And Clearly, that decision has worked out brilliantly. So, and, and they're another team that could finish above Chelsea, which is, you know, another like <laughs> London bragging rights kind of thing. So, it'd be an interesting game. I've gone 2 1 to Palace, but Mitrovic definitely to score for Fulham. Interesting stuff. Yeah. And as I said, a celebration game for both sets of fans. I, I hope it's just a joyous occasion. Lots of singing, lots of cheering, lots of good football. Uh, and they can enjoy the Premier League next season. Um, not necessarily such a joyous game coming up. It's Liverpool versus Aston Villa. Everything to play for for both of these clubs. We, we're starting to move towards teams that need to pull off results. As I mentioned, Liverpool, there's no other option. You have to win your three games um, and then see where the chips sort of fall. For Aston mm-hmm. Villa, they're trying to get into Europe. Um, had that resurgence uh, early in the, you know, in the year and then stuttered a little bit with their back-to-back defeats, uh, the 1-0 to Man United and then I guess the surprise 1-0 against, uh, Wolves, but then got back to winning ways, um, unfortunately at the expense of Spurs in, in your case. Yeah. But yeah, they sit in eighth place, um, level on points with, with, with Tottenham. Us. Yeah. So trying to get into that that last European spot at the moment. And I think for me, this game, it's it suits a high-scoring game because I, I can see Villa with the likes of Watkins on the counter-attack really enjoying the space that's going to be left in behind by Liverpool players. And then equally, Liverpool, as I said, they have to win games. So they have to go score goals. They can't sit back. They can't, you know, hope for a draw or something like that. They have to be on the front foot. Um, and then obviously the caveat of at time of recording, uh, Liverpool still play tonight. So we mm-hmm. don't know that scoreline against Leicester. But, um, I think for me, in terms of Liverpool asking other teams to do them a favor and, uh, you know, that that's always a, a trope that comes around when, when your team needs points or, or, or needs results to go their way. I think that's such a poor excuse for Liverpool because they've been so disappointing this season. Fourth should have been the bare minimum with the squad that they have, with the way that they've played football in recent, you know, years. Um, everyone was expecting them to be title contenders again this season. Obviously, some Liverpool fans were worried about the midfield. Klopp joked about it in a, in, in a podcast and he laughed mm-hmm. like, where could we possibly improve this team? And, and lo and behold, he was wrong and he even admitted as much he was wrong and then went in January and didn't fix it. 
Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm not going to go on that tangent again. <laughs> I, I was on, um, EPL round table with Kev DeVries and Jake Jackman yesterday. Um, and we, we sort of touched on this a little bit with regards to Liverpool, but basically I was saying there, there are no excuses. Go win your three games. If you don't make top four, that's on you guys. You had plenty of time to sort this team out, plenty of times to change formations. They only seem to change it recently when Trent is now playing as a false six or something. Um, but it took them until like March to, to do that. Um, mm-hmm. so no excuses for them. I, I, I won't feel any sympathy for Liverpool if they don't make top four this season. Um, I, I think it's a wasted season. You've wasted a year of the peak years of, of a Van Dyke, a Salah, an Allison, uh, a Thiago. Um, yeah, just disappointment all around for me with the Castle Liverpool. But yeah, they have to win this game. Uh, I, I'm going to go 2-1, uh, to Liverpool. I'm, I can see it getting to a situation where Liverpool have to score three goals because I can, I could see. Villa scoring two and it being three two, but I'm I'm gonna keep it as a two one prediction for now. Mm-hmm. I think we should credit Liverpool on their like resurgence because I think you guys have a purple patch of eight unbeaten games, mm. and that's been a very good like top four charge. But it's never fun having to rely on teams above you to drop points, especially when like the team you're relying on is Manchester United, and. Um, it could be a bit tricky. So we'll see what happens when they play Leicester today. But Liverpool are well within a chance of, of getting top four, which is not something I would have said come like beginning of the year in January. I remember one of my friends on a different podcast stated the claim that like Liverpool are going to finish above Tottenham and they're getting top four. <laughs> and I literally just, I commented on it like, lol, never going to happen. And now it's sort of like, they're going to finish above us. They have a real shot at the top four. And I, I, I know I would have thought it. So I, I do give Liverpool a lot of credit for putting together a bunch of performances to, to put themselves in with a chance. So that, that would be very interesting to see how that plays out come the end of the season. And then looking at Villa, I mean, in our Emery masterclass, looking to gatecrash the like traditional big six or even like push into the top seven transforming Villa from relegation fodder. I mean, I know he came back in November, but no one would have thought that they were in with a chance of European football to where they are now. They're like European chases in that time period. He he's really changed the team around. So big respect to Emery as well. Who's also in with like manager of the year shouts, I think. People are severely underlooking his impact. So, yeah, looking forward to that game. I've gone 3-2 to Liverpool. Again, I, I agree it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah. And look, you mentioned with regards to the, the awards there in terms of manager of the season contention and stuff like that. To me, it seems quite paper-thin in terms of the evaluation that ends up going into these things because you have a manager like Emery, degree of difficulty, I think Mm. that's insane for him to get into contention for Europe versus a Pep Guardiola title challenge. You expect that from every season. Arsenal, a title challenge, maybe you could say degree of difficulty there. But look at how much Liverpool have fallen off. Look at how much Spurs have fallen off. Look at how much Chelsea Mm. have fallen off. Man United have fallen off. Arsenal didn't really have 
a, a season where the other big teams were playing well as well. So the degree of difficulty, it's yeah, it's, it's there for a young squad, but it, I don't think it's as much as an Aston Villa having to claw up a, a, a table, yes. a manager having to come in and and um, you know fix a dressing room, change the way they're playing, make them you know desirable to watch uh, playing football, go on that run of wins. Um, yeah, for me, I would have Emre right up there, probably, you know, with a shot along with, uh, Marco Silva to, to get that job. And of course, the goat, uh, Roy Hodgson, we can't forget him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, and obviously it, it's no happenstance that they are the unofficial team for a tad predictable for 22, 23 season. A team that only got picked, it usually gets picked before the season starts, but only got picked after Gerard got fired. I think there was some um, shenanigans happening there with producer Guy Drinkle and the team in deciding when we, we, we got to decide our team of the season. And of course, I'm legally obliged to say that it's an unofficial team. I don't want the suits upstairs to, to, to get on my back with regards to that. But let's move on to Wolves versus Everton. Obviously, the last game that's relevant for you with regards to Bankett or Burnett. Um, mm-hmm. Wolves... Weird, weird season for them. Um, Such a weird season. <laughs> so inconsistent. And, and it's summed up with their last five fixtures. A loss, a win, a loss, a win, a loss. Um, the Tuna lost to Man United, didn't do anything going forward. Um, I think that will be music to, to the ears of Everton, you know, and, and getting to analyze that game against Man United that Wolves performed and hoping that Wolves turn up like that. Um, in their game against Everton, because Everton, another team that has to win games. Yes, they're currently in 17th place. Um, obviously that's dependent on how Leicester do against Liverpool later tonight. But at time of recording, they're in 17th place. They, they, they got just destroyed by Man City over the weekend. But again, that's not a game that they were expecting to get points from. I wouldn't expect, but these are the games that they have to capitalize on. Um, I don't think they can worry about, you know, what Leicester and anyone else is doing. Just win your games and win games like this one. They have to respond. Mm-hmm. I thought at the beginning of the game, they, they looked spirited against City, but just the quality was too much. If, if they can apply themselves, um, you know, Iwobi all of a sudden is, is, is becoming a really key player for them, a ball carrier for them. If he continues to play well in, in that vein, obviously, um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is back. That's good news for them. Mm-hmm. Each game, he's gaining more momentum and fitness. Um, and just on on that match fitness trope that people love, especially commentators love to throw out there, I think it's not necessarily that they don't have the fitness, more they don't have the, the automatic touch that they had from consistency of playing. So that kind of thing of, you know, being able to know where the goal is and, and take a shot without having to look up or being able to flick the ball onto a to to a teammate mm-hmm. knowing they're going to be there those i think are the inverted commas match fitness things that will be developing the more games he plays and and they'll be i'm sure counting on him to to get a couple of goals not just in this game but in in their last remaining games to try and stay up in the premier league um yeah <laughs> i i just remembered um the message that that, that we that I got from one of the suits upstairs when you did your podcast and, and you, you, you were hoping Everton stayed up. And, and I remember him saying, um, yeah, she was very good, but, uh, except for that part when she mentioned Everton should stay up. 
Um, so are, are you predicting an Ever? Are you bold enough to predict an Everton win in this one? I've, I've predicted an Everton win, <laughs> but I'm not sure that they're going to stay up. I mean, they've been in the Prem for like nearly 70, well, in the top flight for nearly 70 years. Mm. And I, I just still can't believe that that is in serious jeopardy. I mean, I remember when they were like splashing 50 mil, 40 mil for fun. And for them to be a very serious relegation candidate after such an inconsistent season, I never would have thought that. So, yeah, it's it's tricky. I don't think they're going to stay up. I have gone for a 2-1 Everton win. Okay, okay. Have. But that's because Wolves have also had such an interesting season. I mean, you don't know which Wolves team is going to show up. So, I mean, they're safe. They're, I think, 13th. Maybe the players might have checked out already before the end of before the end of the season. You know, like what are we going to play for? It's, that's why I've gone for an Everton win because I think they'll want it and I know they need it more. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that game. I like games like this, especially like when it comes to the end of the season relegation teams. I mean, like you said, when I was watching the Everton City game, they did start quite well, and I thought, ooh. And I, I was looking at, I was keeping up to date with the score um, while I was at the gym, and I was, and I was thinking, I was like, why have Manchester City not scored yet? It's a bit suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's going on with my team? Because you know I'm a City fan now. So anyway, I can find joy in football. But um, yeah, I mean, they started the game quite well, spirited, and then obviously City's quality came in and and got rid of that. But yeah, looking forward to this game. Yeah, I. I... I've predicted 1-0 to Everton, but I think it will be an exciting 1-0 um, yeah. because of, you know, the, the drama involved with every half chance any team will have has, you know, implications, so to speak, with with what happens with the relegation battle. But I, I think Everton sneak it. I, I don't mind Everton. I've, I've mentioned it many times. As long as they're one position below Liverpool or losing mm. to us in a final, they can do whatever the hell they want. I think the only thing I have, you know, pause for concern with Everton is that they've broke, they've, they've allegedly broken financial fair play rules. Um, yes. Is that going to have an impact on them, you know, after the season, this season? What, like, what's happening with that? The, the, the silence is deafening there. And obviously Man City have been charged as well. The, the silence is kind of deafening there, but I, I do understand, you know, the legal process has to go go through and, and it's probably going to take a while to to get through everything but that hangs over those clubs as well and all the other clubs you know if I get relegated and Everton stay in the league whilst I know that they're under investigation for financial fair play I I would not be a happy camper at all um but yeah let's take a break um and then get you ready for banquet or burner but yeah we'll be back after this short break And we are back. Davina, your second attempt now at Banker to Burnet. You got 16 out of 25 in your first attempt, which mm-hmm. isn't bad. Jake Jackman still sits at eight on 18 out of 25. He's on the leaderboard at the moment. Um, probably starting to carve his name into the trophy. Um, how are you feeling? This, your last chance. Um, I think there's only two other chances. Well, one other chance after you terms of mm-hmm. people that could go above Jake Jackman. It's a lot of pressure, yeah? I know. Um, 
all I'm hoping for is an improvement on last time. You know, every, like, baby steps, I'll get there. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. Um, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, I'm going to give Davina 15 seconds on the clock. She's going to try and answer five questions in each of the five rounds before the 15 seconds runs out. It's, it's you know, the five fixtures we've just discussed. So we have Spurs, Brentford, Bournemouth, Man United, Fulham, Crystal Palace, Liverpool, Aston Villa, Wolves versus Everton. The questions are A, over 850 total passes, B, less than 35 clearances, C, over three yellow cards, D, a headed goal, and E, fist pump goal celebration. Um, if Davina thinks that the scenario is going to happen, she's going to shout bank it. If she thinks the scenario won't happen, she's going to shout burn it. Are you ready? Are you ready to go? Yes, ready. Okay, here we go. Your first fixture, hopefully it's a good omen for you. It's Spurs versus Brentford. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Bank. Less than 35 clearances. Bank. Over three yellow cards. Burn. Header goal. Burn. First pump goal celebration. Burn. Interesting stuff. All right, okay, we'll let the clock run out just, you know, for for parity to make sure that everything is going cool. You look quite mm-hmm. comfortable in that round. I was just thinking about it and I'm thinking, you know, like I said last time, you have to think about how big the game is, who do I think is going to score in what order, like where's the passion, what does the game mean, all of that. And uh, all things in consideration, I think, Hopefully I've done well on that round. Yeah, if, if if there's one to get right, it has to be the team you support. And obviously yeah. Man City aren't in this round, so mm. <laughs> we'll take Spurs. We'll take Spurs. All right, Bournemouth versus Man United. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Bank. Less than 35 clearances. Bank. Over three yellow cards. Burn. Header goal. Bank. Fist pump goal celebration? Burn. Burn to end it off. Okay. You're not loving these fist pump celebrations. No. I think I went for like a lot of banks last time. I feel like those are the ones I got wrong. Could be. Could be. I, I don't have your sheet up at the moment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, could be. All right. Fulham versus Crystal Palace. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Bank. Less than 35 clearances. Bank. Over three yellow cards. Bank. Header goal. Burn. First bump goal celebration. Burn. Burn. <laughs> Another burn. If, if you do a clean sweep of first bump celebrate, like, it, look, it makes it makes the, the, the people that tabulate this, their job a lot easier if they know that it's just burns all the way around for first bump mm. goal celebrations. So I, I, I do appreciate you being... Um, Considerate, yeah. <laughs> consistent and considerate with, with your answers here. But let's move on to Liverpool versus Aston Villa. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Bank. Less than 35 clearances. Burn. Over three yellow cards. Bank. Headed goal. Bank. First bump goal celebration. Burn. Trying to think if there's a Liverpool player that does no. first pump. I can't think of one. There isn't. That's why I thought that. Unless it's some, you know, like Robertson finally gets a goal. Yeah. <laughs> like a rogue player scoring. Yeah. Yeah. And Ollie Watkins, what? He's knee slide, kiss the yeah. badge type of guy, I think. 
All right, fair enough. Your last game for Bank of Burnet for 22-23 season is Wolves versus Everton, a game you've predicted 2-1 to the Ev. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Thanks. Less than 35 clearances. Then. Over three yellow cards. Bank. Head a goal. Bank. And for spam goal celebration? Bank. Oh, the last one. Because I'm thinking, you know, if it's Everton, like, close to the end of the game winner, bit of passion, fist bump. No, you gotta grab the ball. You gotta <laughs> grab the ball. Don't, don't, don't do a retarlison. Just grab the ball. Oh, put it on the penalty not, spot. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> Is that too soon? <laughs> That's way too soon to bring up that retarlison goal. Oh, oh that brilliant. was heartbreak. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I have him. On, I have him on the back of my shirt, and everyone just thinks because I get some really rogue players on the back of my shirt. But when we signed Richarlison, I was so over the moon. Um, and every player that I get on the back of my shirt turns out to be like a, a, a jinx or like a really like <laughs> touchy player for Tottenham. And I'm the jinx. It's oh, me. So any player that signs for Tottenham, just. Get Davina not to put your name on the back of of her jersey, and, and you should be fine. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Nottingham versus Arsenal. Is this just a segment where you get to dunk on Arsenal for? Yes, five, this, is, this is the one I've been. This is the one I've been looking for. I am loving the fact that Arsenal's title hopes are all but gone. I mean, I was saying earlier, it's, it's the way that I'm finding joy in watching football right now. I mean, they were eight points clear. They've been top of the league since August. And I saw some more, more stats like popping around on my Twitter timeline yesterday. They've been top of the league for 93% of the season. Mm. So statistically, this is the biggest bottle job of, in Premier League history. I'm sorry, everyone says, you know, Tottenham finishing third in a two-horse race, blah, blah, blah. We were never top. We've never been top. I think we were top like once when we were like, maybe playing West Ham and then we lost and then we weren't top again. So it was, oh, I, I love it. I, I am so here for this capitulation of the Arsenal team. And one of my best friends, he's an Arsenal fan, and he messaged me yesterday and he was like, how do you do this? How do you like, how do you like do with all this like banter targeted at your club? And he was like, listen, I've been there and you just have to live through it. Your time will come. Hopefully it won't come too soon and hopefully not this season, but I'm just, I'm here. I'm here for these Arsenal fans tears. Yeah, hundred percent. And they, and looking, look into this game, Forrest, I mean, they're sat in like 16. They also need a win. They're three points off relegation. They have to play, I think, Palace on the last day of the season, which is a difficult game to rely on if you need points from it to secure safety. I mean, they got a good draw against Chelsea on the weekend, but I have gone for an Arsenal 3-1 win because I think hopefully their players might be up for it and try and end the season quite strong. Delay City's coronation, you know. um, They could feel deflated after losing against Brighton at home, not even scoring one. (sighs) Yeah, it's I've gone for a 3-1 win for Arsenal but just just another point that I'd like to just touch upon was I saw the footage on TV of the Arsenal fans leaving yeah in yeah and I think that is so poor 
from the Arsenal fan base. I mean, they've been playing some of the best football this season for a team that's going to finish second and for a team that has given you so many iconic moments to look back on, you should not be walking out in like, you should not be walking out. You should stay there and clap those players because Arsenal have a young squad and what they've done to go like toe for toe against a superstar team like Manchester City is something that should be applauded. I mean, I'm not going to applaud it because, you know, I hate Arsenal. But as an Arsenal fan, I would feel proud of my team for even like being up there and being in the conversation of being in a title challenge. So I'd just like to hold those Arsenal fans who, who did leave accountable and you should hang your heads in shame for leaving the ground. It's absolutely insane that that people would leave and uh, as you mentioned it's a squad that's so young nobody expected them to be title contenders maybe there were arsenal super fans that were you know saying that they're going to be title contenders but Mm. on paper heading into the season yes progression into getting into top four taking another step in that direction but not to try and get city all the way to may you know what i mean middle of may in a title race and then City, maybe, you know, it, it's looking like they, they're going to go and win it. But as you said, they should be applauding the squad. They should be cheering them on. They should be excited about what the squad could do going forward. If, if, if this is the level that they can reach at this point, at such a young age as a squad, what can they do in the future? But yeah, walking out is just bang out of order. But obviously, there were um, a, a large amount of fans that stayed and cheered for the team. So mm-hmm. obviously, we're not we're not picking out on those people, but there were. It was evident that there were people walking out um, as the Brighton goals kept going in. Um, but yeah, it, it just reminded me of Schadenfreude um, from the German word Schaden and Freude. It means damage and joy. It means to take spiteful, malicious delight in the misfortune of others. We used to dismiss this as simply an ugly side of the human nature, but it's much, much more than that because there was a Stanford professor who actually captured Schadenfreude in a brain scan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a um, physiological medical phenomenon. When we see other people fall, it sometimes causes a chemical to release in our dorsal striate atom to, of the brain, which actually causes us to feel pleasure. I don't mm-hmm. know if there are many fans out there, but certainly Spurs fans would have felt Schadenfreude seeing Arsenal having been lifted up. You know, the pundits have been lifting them up. Spurs are not been playing well, or for Arsenal to, as it seems at this point in time, crumble, you know, or, or, or fall at the last hurdle. The word Schadenfreude straight away just came into my head with regards to that and probably encapsulate how they're feeling. Um, in terms of score predictions, I'm interested to see if Arteta can sort of get the squad back into shape to say, look, we might not win the title this season, but let's at least finish the season strong. Because they've been shaky in recent weeks. You know, they've lost games they, that you have. wouldn't have expected them to lose. And I think that's where maybe the, the, the capitulation or bottle job type of conversation start is not necessarily that, you know, City came came back at them and, and overtook them and, and that kind of thing. Because City, as you say, mega team, they've been doing this for years and years. As a Liverpool fan, I've I've felt it twice where we've lost by one point in the league to this team after having reached more than 90 points in a season. That shouldn't happen. 
You know, you get to 90 points, you should be winning a title. But City do this year in, year out. My issue is the 3-3 draw with Southampton. Mm. The 3 no, obviously, you, you get a loss to, to Brighton. Fine, Brighton have been a bogey team for Arsenal recently. But some of these results that Arsenal had recently were the cause for concern. You know, the, the Liverpool game, where they were comfortably, comfortably ahead and should have just buried the game and mm-hmm. then, you know, allow Liverpool back into it. Those are the things that Arsenal will need to learn from going forward. When it comes to City, you have to get to 90 points just to be in the conversation with them. That's just the way it is. I'm not sure that Arteta is going to have the, the the team ready and going again um, for this game. I think there's going to be a bit of a psychological lull for them. I think the exhaustion of having gone this far and seeing that City are now probably going to win the title is going to be too much especially for such a young squad. I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. I think this is the game. That point will be the point that um, basically saves Nottingham Forest. I think this is the game that saves Nottingham Forest from being relegated in the Premier League. And as I said, for Arsenal, it's it's just one of those where that energy dump, the players can't, you know, it's just going to be a lot um, to finish the season off strong. But... Let's move on to another side of London in West Ham. They entertain mm-hmm. Leeds United. Now, that Leeds-Newcastle game was really fun to watch. Annoying Very if you're fun. a Leeds fan because, I mean, you could have been 2-0 up. Uh, Bamford, not the greatest penalty from him there. And, and the game just sort of turns on its head for them. And then, as we said, West Ham, their focus is on Europe. I don't think they're hiding it. Um, they might mm-hmm. be coming back, you know, to 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 the UK as finalists in Europe or they could be coming back as once again falling short uh, in a semi-final. So I don't know how to predict this game in terms of the scoreline because I don't know what version of West Ham is coming back, whether a joyous one, an angry one, a wounded mm. animal, an upset one, a licking their wounds. I don't know what's going to happen with West Ham in this game. So I've gone 1-1 as, as, as a cop-out, um, a fail-safe, so to speak. And I don't know... I mean, Leeds are on 31 points. They sit in the relegation zone at this point in time. They probably need to win this game um, to, to give themselves a chance to stay up. I, I don't know if I can give... I, my worry is their firepower, as it has been all season. I don't know how they get two goals in this game. If they can somehow manage... You know what? 2-1. No, nope. I'm, I'm going to will it into existence like the Liverpool mm-hmm. scoreline. Um, my head says 1-1, but I'm going to say 2-1 to Leeds. Somehow it's going to bounce off the referee. He's not going to see it. He's going to give them <laughs> the goal. Um, and, and that makes us or, or makes it a very exciting last day of the season if, if they can get up to 34 points with, with the win against West Ham. Mm, I don't think we need to worry about the last day of the season because Leeds play us on the last day of the season. Oh. So it's an easy three points for them. <laughs> Easy. You know, you don't even have to watch the games. But they can't score two goals in the game often. I know they did this they time, but one was us. a penalty. They will, they will be able to score against us. Because we know they Kane's will. definitely getting one in that game. Yeah, so, so they'll beat us like 2-1. Okay, okay. But um, do you know what? I think this game is quite interesting because both the clubs have like flirted with the relegation zone. I mean, I know Leeds are there right now, but it's the club who's stuck by their manager who's out of danger and Leeds who were on their third manager of the season they're the ones who are struggling you know like even when 
West Ham were looking like they they could be a real candidate for relegation. They stuck by David Moyes, and you know now they're thriving. Like you said in the Conference League, they're in the, they're in the semi final. I mean, they won last week. They're going in on Thursday with with two one lead aggregate. So I think the way that the the season has played out with both these clubs has been. It could have gone very similar, but then, you know, West Ham stuck with their manager. They trusted the process. And, yeah, reflecting on Leeds' Leeds's last game against Newcastle, it, that game was just so, like, one end to the other because, obviously, Bamford missed his pen. Then, like, minutes later, Wilson showed him up with a stunning penalty. And they could have... Oh, it, was, it was a shame. They could have been 2-0 up. I mean, I've gone for a 2-1 win for West Ham. Oh. Oh, the I, dagger. I, I, I don't like West Ham more than anyone, right? I really, I have a hatred for West Ham. And I, I do think that they will win the second leg of their semi-final. And then they've got a while for the final. So they'll just be trying, again, to finish the season strong, build that momentum, get that connection between the players, give the... Because West Ham are at home, like yeah. finish the season strong. You know what? Yeah, I I do agree. It if it depends on what version of West Ham turns up at the weekend, depending on their result in in the second leg. So, um, but right now I do see West Ham going through in the Conference League. So I've gone two one to West Ham. All right, we've gone head to head on that one, so it will be interesting mm-hmm. to see. And I think you mentioned if they do go through in, in the Conference League, I think not only will it be the players wanting to end the season well, but will be playing to, you know, playing for spots in that final. You mm, want to play yes. well to make sure that you have one of those starting spots in the final. So yes, that's true. That's true. That could be incentive for them there. Um, Brighton had incentive last, last night, uh, three, three no win against Arsenal. They're still chasing European football. They come up against Southampton, who, as as we hinted to earlier, they, they've been relegated now officially from the Premier League. But Brighton, you know, they it's deceptive where they are because they've got 58 points. 21, um, their goal difference is plus 21. But they've got two game or well, one game in hand on all of the teams above them except for Arsenal. But we'll, we'll leave Man City and Arsenal out of this for, for the time being. Um Let's say a win for Brighton in, in their game in hand, and I'm going to get to their game in hand in, in a moment, but would take them to 61 points, you know, mm. five points off of top four. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility for Brighton to pull off something shocking here. Everyone's talking about Liverpool potentially getting into that four spot. Brighton are still there. They're still fighting. They're showing they're fighting. And on Thursday, they play against... Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. Which I think is going to be my game of the season. I don't know if it's a hipster take or what, but I just think <laughs> these are two fantastic midfields. Like, imagine Caicedo and McAllister going head to head with Bruno Gamarash, Joe Linton. I don't know who else you want to throw in there from, from Newcastle. I, I couldn't care less, to be honest, but just <laughs> those, those midfields going back to back, going, going head to head. I I cannot wait for this. I I don't know how to explain how excited I am for this game. I I obviously we're not predicting that game. I'm hoping for like a five five something just absolutely Whoa. nuts. I I five, cannot. Five. It's at St James's Park. Like you know it's going to be bouncing. 
Um, again, another place that's probably too soon for you to mention, but you know yeah. that crowd rocks. <laughs> you know that crowd rocks and Brighton are going to be up for it. I cannot wait for that game. And then obviously, you know, they, they have to play Southampton, um, at home. I, I think that's a comfortable again. I'm going to maybe say three nil to Brighton for that game, but I'm literally just giving them three and all for that one, just so I can get that game out of the way and get back to talking about Newcastle versus Brighton. Oh boy. Oh my word. I'm so excited. Am I, am I alone here? No, I'm also very excited for that game. Brighton versus Newcastle. I think it's, you know what, St. James's Park, as much as, as much as I, it appears often in my nightmares now, <laughs> having watched my team, you know, go three nil down and then like the first nine minutes, five nil down, five nil down the first 21, 22 minutes. It's, um, it's a good atmosphere. Yeah. And that game, I think will be up there game of the season. So looking forward to that. But I think the interesting thing about Brighton, they just play beautiful football. And yeah. we all thought before it was Potter. Potter ball. That's why Brighton are great. Clearly not. Yesterday, they rocked my world. I loved the way that they played football. And I think maybe top four might be a bit of a push, considering who they've got left to play. So they've obviously got Newcastle on Thursday. They've got Southampton. They've also then got City and Villa. Yeah. So not at all easy games. And I mean, not like Newcastle, Newcastle have something to play for. Southampton, I've gone for a 2-0 win for Brighton. So I, I can put that as a definite win. But the other three, Newcastle, City and Villa, I can't say that Brighton are going to definitely win all three of those games. Points will be dropped. So I, I do think the top four shout is a bit much to ask. For Brighton, I do think all three of those games, including Southampton, all four of those games will be very good games, just because of the way that Brighton play beautiful, like attacking football. That they are, I think that they've been one of my favourite teams to watch this season. If not, I'd say City, City, City played the best football that I like to watch. But I think Brighton second. I've really enjoyed watching those games and I, had, I don't have any interest in Brighton other than the fact that their manager could have been our manager. But I mean, that's about it. I, I've not had any interest in it, but they've got to play catch up with the game that they've got in hand. And yeah, that top four race is, is interesting. But imagine like European football at the Amex Stadium. That's quite cool. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be very cool. Uh, but on the topic of Southampton, yeah, relegated an end to their 10 or 11 year stint in the Premier League. If someone had told me at the beginning of the season that Southampton would be the team to get relegated first, I would have laughed because I think that Southampton were, were building onto something. I mean, they were finishing like top half and like, uh, I think it would be quite sad to see them down. And I think that they will definitely struggle to come back up. I don't think that there'll be like an immediate promotion next year. And it's hard to get out of the championship. I mean, right now the playoffs are looking juicy. I've been keeping a close eye on that as well. So I think Southampton have got it cut out for them to come back up to the Prem and we might not see them for a couple of years. I don't know how 
they're going to try and finish the season with something to with something to be proud of. I mean, they've got Liverpool on the last day. Again, I, I mean, I think Liverpool will win that by quite a high margin. So, yeah, I've, I've gone for a 2-0 win for Brighton on this, for this game. But it's... Um, It'll be sad to see Brighton, to see Southampton down and not come back up. Yeah, and, and if they when the, if when they come back up, they need to make sure the first thing they do is go get a striker that's going to get you at least seven, eight, nine, ten goals a season, just mm. so you know you've got enough firepower to to stay in the league. I think that's been one of their biggest downfalls this season. They just don't have enough goals uh, in their team. Um, yeah, in terms of the the Brighton pathway, yes, it is difficult, but I've cleared a pathway for them in that if Man City go through against Real Madrid in the Champions League and they also beat Chelsea this weekend, they have now won, you know, they just need one win to win the Premier League. So if they Mm. beat Chelsea this weekend and they've won the Premier League and they've got an FA Cup to come and they've got a Champions League to come, Mm. does that maybe allow them to take their eye off a Brighton side who we know plays good football, can take a game to to a team, you know, it could be one of those situations where Brighton could just cause a really, really big upset. And I guess it it won't really matter in terms of the context of the league. Um, But let's move on to that team, Manchester City. They play Chelsea. As I said, one win in this game sees them crowned Premier League champions for the fifth time in six years, I want to say. Yep. Um, Which is just absolutely insane. Uh, Pep has built an absolute juggernaut. I, I call them a freight train. So let me stick with that. A freight train that you just need to get out of their way um, as quickly as possible or they will run you over. And, and they've done it time and time again with teams in the Premier League. They play a Chelsea side who, man, they struggled against Nottingham Forest. Uh, yes, they got the yes, two goals, but it wasn't struggled. pretty. It was not pretty. Um, and obviously they have a manager that I'm, I'm not really a fan of. Certainly not his managerial career. Couldn't care less about his playing career. I'm speaking only about his managerial career at the moment. I think he's the worst manager in the league. I think he's been one of the worst managers in the Premier League. And he continues to fail up. I don't get it. Uh, I don't see how he got this job, why he got his this job. And you can see, um, I I just don't know if he's tactically there um, to be a manager in the Premier League at this point in time. Yes, he could always improve and all of that good stuff. But at this moment, he's just not ready. And I don't see why he keeps getting jobs in the Premier League. But Manchester City, as I said, a win here sees them get the, the Premier League title. I think that's what Man City do. They go and win the games they're meant to win. And they're going to go and win this game against a city, a Chelsea side who aren't the Chelsea we've known of recent seasons. It's a struggling side. Yes, City might have one eye on other fixtures going forward, but they've shown us time and time again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they've got a whole host of fixtures. They've got a massive squad. They, at this point in the season, there's no one you want to be playing less than Man City because they just, they focus on that one game. They'll deal with Real Madrid when Real Madrid comes. They'll, they'll focus on the Chelsea game. They'll go and they'll win it. They'll be crown champions and then they'll go and put on a performance against Real Madrid. So I'll start off with my scoreline. I've gone 3-1 to City and, uh, yeah, to Man City in this one. What do you reckon? I've gone 3-0 for City. Yeah. And 
Yeah, building on your point, I just think second half of the season, City are unreal. Like even if you think about the last couple of years, the second half, like title charge, City that comes about, unreal, unmatched. I don't think any team even comes close to their form. I think I can't remember what their winning streak is at the moment. Either fourteen or fifteen games. That is that is unreal. I mean, the only team that City could fall short to. It's Tottenham because we happen to be their bogey team. I mean, they, something always happens to them when they play us. And I don't know why or how or what kind of like curse we've put over them. But City is just a great team to watch. I, I, I just look at them and I'm like, it must be so easy to be a City fan. <laughs> it's just like anything less than like a 3-0, 4-0 goal margin of a win, then I would be disappointed. But the firepower they have in that team I'm loving it I'm loving it a lot and I'm also looking forward to their game on Wednesday against Madrid so it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out and uh, reflecting on Chelsea I mean can they look to be securing a, a top half finish they've had a really shambolic season but I can't I can't hate on them too much because I know that Chelsea fans have all the ammunition in the world to hurt me because um, they've got... I can't say he's he's my favourite manager of Tottenham now but because he even entertained the negotiations with Chelsea. But it looks like they've got Poch coming in for next season. And I know that there's been rumours for a while about that. But when that confirmation hits on, on Saturday evening... Spurs Twitter has not gone into a meltdown like that for a while. And it was heartbreaking. I've been seeing edits. People have made edits of Pochettino. Chelsea fans, I mean, saying like, welcome to our club. Oh. And they've, they've taken iconic images of Pochettino, for example, celebrating our win in Ajax and they've edited him in those celebratory like positions at Sanford Bridge holding a Premier League trophy with the blue ribbons. Wow. And that, that really hurts. And for me, he's done. Like all of that sort of romantic connection that Spurs fans, the, the players, and you know, like, is Poch going to come back? And he, he did an interview with BT Sport a couple of years back and he said he really wants to come back and win a title with Tottenham because he wants to know what that feels like. All of that sort of looking at it with rose tinted glasses, it's gone. It's gone for me. And I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming his decision to do that because he needs a job. He's a manager at the end of the day. I'm not going to start my... I hate the ownership of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club now <laughs> because I'm quite vocal about that on Twitter. But it's. I think it's our fault because I think Pochettino would have dropped everything to come and manage Tottenham. And he will have access to a lot of resources at Chelsea I think they will be back next season uh, fighting for European football. If it's not top four, they'll definitely be up in, in the Europa League places. And I think he'll... I don't want him to do well. I hope he wins absolutely nothing and has a failure of a career at Chelsea because I don't like Chelsea. But, um, yeah, it's, it's they've, got, they've got a good manager coming in. And I don't think they'll get anything out of this game against City. But... They have some, some something good to look forward to at the beginning of next season. Yeah, it's it. 
especially when you hear him talk about how he would never manage like Barcelona, for example, because of his connections with Espanyol, you would have thought maybe that would also apply to Spurs in that he wouldn't manage a club in London. But there's so many damn clubs in London. Like, pick, so pick one that's a rival. Pick one that's a rival. At least he didn't go to Arsenal, I guess. Oh, no, that, that, maybe... I, think, I think I'd have to stop watching the sport. Yeah, I mean... I'd, have to, I'd just give up watching <laughs> football completely if he went to manage Arsenal. No. Yeah, it, 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 so at least he didn't do that. But yeah, it, it's sad um, especially for, for Spurs fans to see him go to another London club especially a club with the resources Chelsea have and what potential they could have going forward. But yeah, this game is on Sky Sports if you're in the UK. But if if, if you don't have access to Sky Sports, as many people don't, that you know, you either have BT or you have something else, then definitely link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. This podcast is presented to you by EPRindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. You can check out their services at libertyshield.com. You guys can save with the coupon code EPL25. That gives you 25% off of your router or the software VPN. It's a five, uh, it's a virtual private network. That's a technology which encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity. It hides your IP address and shields your online data from third parties. You guys can change your location, avoid geo blocks and government imposed restrictions to access any website. Finally, also go and check out the EPL Index shop. You can find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you'll get 10% off at checkout. What was your prediction for that one? Uh, 3-0 for City. 3-0 to City. Okay, let's move on to the last game. Not necessarily the last game of that game week, but the last game of the weekend, if you include Monday in your weekend of football viewing. It's mm-hmm. Newcastle versus Leicester, 8 o'clock kickoff, Monday the 22nd. As we said, Newcastle have that blockbuster game against Brighton uh, on Thursday. They need to win two of their last three. So even if they you know, don't win that Brighton game, they still have a chance to go and secure top four. Um, and it would start with a victory against Leicester City. Do you, do you see Leicester causing them any problems in this one? Or is this Newcastle continuing their journey into Champions League football? I don't see Leicester getting anything out of this game. I think the players look tired. They look zoned out. I think they're. It, it's a hard position to be in. I mean, they're. It, it, it's it's top four charge versus relegation battle, and I think first if you look at if you look at Newcastle, I think. Eddie Howe's done a brilliant job this season, dismantling like the big six so quickly. Champions League football at St James's Park would be unreal, like we were saying. I mean, that atmosphere is is very good, and it would it would be. It, I think Newcastle will get, win this game easily. I've gone for a three-one prediction. Leicester will come in with a consolation goal after going three-nil down. They desperately, Leicester desperately need the points. They play Liverpool today at time of, at time of like recording. And I for one can't, I can't wait for Leicester to go down. I, I don't like Leicester one bit. <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's like the, the heartbreak of the 15, 16 season when they won the league, yeah. but that seems like such a long time ago, by the way, 15, 16 season. It's I mean, that's while. something that probably it, it's been a while, but it's, like from from Premier League winners to relegation in like seven years, that's 
insane. And I think Newcastle have just done so brilliantly. I'm, I'm jealous of that club. They've got a good fan base. They're Eddie Howe, also in for a shout for yeah. manager of the season, done brilliantly. I think when when they had their new ownership and they got that influx of money, everyone expected them to fight for those European spots, but they didn't expect it to happen so quickly. And the way that they've done it this season, picking up big, big, big results and the the fluidity of football that they play, it's it's hard to watch them sit in third and Tottenham, you know, be so so much lower than them. But it'll be a good game. I think Leicester have struggled recently. They've produced some really awful performances and they don't look like even in their last four or five games I've watched like their highlights of, they don't look like players with that want a lot of fight. Like they have a lot of fight in them to want to stay up. And at this point in the season, have they've only got two three, Liverpool today, Newcastle, and I can't remember who they play last game of the season. But uh with that many games left to play, it's not looking great for them. West Ham so, at home. Oh, West Ham yeah. at home. Okay, yeah, so I don't see them getting anything out of this game. I've gone for a three one win for Newcastle. Three one for Newcastle. Um yeah, for me I it's hard to see anything other than Newcastle winning this one. I think the thing that Newcastle have been really good at this season is they're always in with the shouting games. It's very mm. rare that they're blown out of games or get that separation of two goals where they really have to claw back. They they're always within a goal which always gives them a chance to to get back into games, take leads or, or get draws, you know, in, in, in situations when they were losing. I don't think they're going to be losing in this one. I think it's just, uh, it's at home. It's at St. James's Park. The only, I guess, concern maybe for Newcastle fans is how much will that Thursday game take out of them? Obviously, they know how important that game is to me as well as a neutral. Um, so they're going to be giving it their all. Brighton players know how important it is to me personally as my game of the season. So how much are they going to pour into that game? And will they have enough for this game against Leicester, a team that is fighting, you know, to stay in the Premier League? That's probably the only pause for concern if you're a Newcastle fan. But at this point of the season, you hope that your quality sees you throughout, uh, you know, through the game. So I've, I've gone with a 1-0 Newcastle win. With, okay. with that in mind, the, you know, the, 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 the effort that they're going to have to put in that Brighton game, you know, especially if I'm predicting 5-5. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they, they will have run out of goals a little bit there and, and just sneak by with a 1-0 here. But Davina, that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap up? Uh, just my Twitter, Davina underscore THFC. You can see me tweet about all things football, not just Tottenham. So you won't get sick of following me. Awesome stuff. Uh, guys, from my end, go and check out EPL Index website. Match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for. Of course, there's the daily podcast show. It's the two-footer podcast where Dave Hendrick um, just talks football, talks Premier League football. And I mention that podcast specifically because 
There are some midweek games uh, next week, ones that we haven't predicted here. It's Brighton Man City on Wednesday the 24th, and then Man United-Chelsea on Thursday the 25th. Both those games, I'm sure, will be covered by Dave on those daily shows, so do check them out. Um, finally, go and check out the flagship show, which runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. Um, they do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the EPL. And as I mentioned earlier, myself and Jake Jackman were the panelists on that show uh, this past week. It came out yesterday, so Sunday, at time of recording. Um, and yeah, definitely go check that out. We talk about, you know, the Arsenal-Brighton game. We talk about the situation at Tottenham, the situation at Newcastle, the situation at Liverpool what these teams could be expecting to do going forward, depending on where they finish in the Premier League. We look at maybe players from teams that could be relegated, which players, you know, the likes of Spurs, uh, Newcastle and Liverpool might be interested in and, and how they could benefit their team. So a lot of discussion there, a lot of interesting talk, um, some news on, you know, like Moises Caicedo and, and McAllister as well, and the mindset that Brighton are going into this transfer window with, um, guys, go and follow at EPL Index on Twitter. Go follow at a Tad Predictable on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index on your podcast channel, on your podcast providers. Give us five stars. Write positive comments. That stuff really does help us out. I've been Tadio Chinakira. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McKenna. She's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle, he's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. She's been Davina. She's at Davina underscore THFS, THFC uh, on Twitter. That's Sorry, that's at Davina underscore THFC on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still abuses. Oh, what a strike. Podcast Network.